0: Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. I think I'm ready to get into this word today. I, I, You guys know my story. Uh, About a year and a half ago, um, I had lost a little bit of weight, and um, Paul Myers, who heads up uh, our safety team, he said, hey, good job for losing weight, but you're like super flabby and weak, Um, which I appreciated from a friend to be able to tell me that. So um, he started, uh, you know, making me go to the gym and uh, working out. And I hadn't worked out since, you know, high school. So um, everything hurt all the time. Like, just everything was always sore. And, I mean, two years later, that's still true, but you kind of get used to it when you work out. And you might be wondering, you know, um, what is all this? Are you working this out as well? I am equally working out muscle and carbs. So I, I, I don't discriminate. So, um... But it's a stretching. It's like, you know, you you turn 47, and you're still stretched to do new things and to learn new things. Spiritually, I feel like God is doing the same thing. It's like God is still stretching me to to new and and to deeper levels, to to grow deeper and stronger in my faith, to experience more of God's goodness, to, to try new things. And it's like, when do I ever get to stop being stretched to do more for God? You know what I'm saying? Like if you're new to Jesus stuff, if you're new to giving your heart to the Lord and you're like, hey, when does God like let up on you? I don't know because I'm clearly not there yet. So um, you, just, you just have to keep trying. And, and it's even like this morning driving to church, I'm literally in prayer for the service. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for, for what's happening right now. And some, <laughs> so, you know how the light turns green and people are, you know, Facebook gramming. God bless them. Because there's this like rage, like from my toes to my knee bones to my hip bones to, and it's come into my mouth and my hand. Not my fingers, but my hand. <laughs> while I'm praying in tongues for you people. And the Lord's like, you feel pretty, pretty cool, tough guy? You feel like you've shamed them well enough that if you shame them enough, they'll go and notice the green light? I'm like, yes! I like when people get what they deserve, you know? I grew up in the 90s, and in the church in the 90s we were professional at shaming people. Like, if, if, if you, like, speaking of which, uh, I believe the report of the Lord, that's a song nobody under 30 knows. You've gotta, you've gotta have a few gray hairs to know that song. So I love that Mude brought that back. So you're not old enough to know that song. So you must have been little, 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 little. Bible verse. Bible verse. Well, it wasn't a Bible verse. She was singing the melody. She knew that song. That's old school. Because in the 90s, like, we we like when people get what they deserve. We like to shame people. I like to shame myself. I'm so good at shaming. I don't just shame other people. I like to shame myself. I told you guys that last month uh, was my nephew's wedding, and we uh, we flew out to uh, the East Coast, and uh, we were in Virginia. Uh, they were getting uh, married at some remote farm. It was beautiful, and um, uh, I was officiating the wedding. So I was zooming there from the airport, and I realized I didn't have time to like stop and change my clothes to like the nice you know rehearsal dinner clothes. So I just like literally pulled into a farmer's like front yard and got my suitcase out and opened my suitcase and stripped down to my boxer shorts and put everything on the top of the car and I got dressed and I got back in the car and and just (laughs) down the gravel road, realizing that I had put my AirPod Pro case on top of the rental car while we zoomed away and somewhere my AirPods have tumbled into a ditch in central Virginia. When I realized what had happened, I wasn't cool about it. Like, the anger that I felt for Facebooker this morning, toes, knees, hip bones, to myself. Like, how could you be so stupid? You can't change your clothes without losing a $225 bill? Like, are are you, and I'm verbally and mentally assaulting myself. I'm shaming myself, and I love to shame other people. If I'm doing the speed limit, and you're one of those super aggressive people that passes me, I am mentally convicting them of murder. And I, when someone, like, I'm, I'm doing five over the speed limit, I'm definitely keeping up the flow of traffic, but you and your white truck, and you're super cool, and you come zooming past me and then cut me off super aggressive to keep going, and then you get pulled over, it is like my happiest day. I'm like, you got what you deserve. Shame on you. Throw the book at him. Punish him. Take him to jail just for being a jerk driving a white truck and speeding and cutting me off. Like, it's probably a warrant for that guy. I love when people get pulled over. Speaking of the church in the 90s, do you remember like when a teenage girl got pregnant in youth group? Right? Scarlet letter. Like, shame, shame on you for liking sex at 16. How dare you? We would, like, outcast people from the church. Seriously, there must have been, like, a Christian witness relocation program. Because if a 16-year-old girl got pregnant, you never saw that family again. They, I guess they live in Alaska now. I don't know. If, if somebody, did you hear about what happened to the family, the Johnson family, the Smith family, the whatever family? so-and-so, husband or the wife had an affair. You were like, they're going straight to hell today. God's just gonna strike them with light. They, They should be removed from this church because they had sex outside of the covenant of marriage. Bless God. God is a holy God. He's gonna strike them down. They should get with shame on you. I often find that the people that shame the most are the ones that were shamed when they were kids and were simply Replicating a cycle of shame from one generation to the next. And it's like we were shamed, so we like to, it. it's like we're sitting in a hot tub of shame, like a hot tub of sewage and filth and depravity and loneliness and sadness. And we're like, hey, you wanna join me in my shame hot tub? Let's talk about shame today. Let's go back to the first time we see shame in the world, the first time we see shame in mankind was with Adam and Eve at the fall, Genesis chapter three. Brought out the old iPad today because I'm gonna read a big chunk of Genesis chapter three. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read it fairly quickly and then we'll go back and talk about it. But we're gonna start literally right in verse one. Genesis chapter three and verse one, I'm gonna read from the ESV version. The serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say that you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. But the serpent said, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, let me just stop real quick and just address this little section of scripture, especially if you're new to Jesus stuff. Eating of the fruit wasn't a food issue it was a knowledge of good and evil issue because here's the deal we were not created to see our failures God never wanted us to feel the separation from his love and his presence so the issue of eating of the fruit had had nothing to do with an apple or a pear or whatever the fruit was it had to do with the knowledge of good and evil And the Lord did not want people to recognize their own failures because then we might shame ourselves and separate ourselves from God. So, And the further question is, it was answering the question of who gets to make the rules? Who gets to say what is right and wrong? Does God get to say what is right and wrong? Or do people get to say what is right and wrong? That was the same problem that people struggled with in the Garden of Eden, and we still struggle with that, that battle today, who gets to decide what is right and wrong? Because when we put our desires and our thoughts and our wisdom above that of God's, we're lifting ourselves above the knowledge of God, which is idolatry, which is literally what our culture is doing today, that we know more, we know better than God, so therefore we, we, we exalt ourselves above the wisdom and knowledge of God. Now, did you notice that in verse five, this is just a little side note, the devil said, hey, and he lied, because that's all the devil can do, was when he opens his mouth, he's lying every time. He said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're gonna be like God. But teenagers, what did you learn at YFN last week? Adam and Eve were already created in the image of God. They were already like God. They simply didn't understand the knowledge of good and evil, because that was God's job, not ours. So there was nothing that, Adam and Eve could do. There's nothing that we can do that makes this statement more or less true, but notice that we often, Adam and Eve all the way to us, we try to help God by determining what is right and what is wrong, and then if we determine that we or somebody else have done wrong, then we are the ones who bring shame into a situation, and you're going to read about that here as we pick it up in verse 9. That's exactly what Adam and Eve did they they felt shamed because they were naked so they made fig leaves as loincloths verse 8 but they heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden in the cool of the day the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord god among the trees of the garden but the lord god called to the man and said where are you he said oh um yeah i heard the sound of you in the garden and i was afraid other translations say i was ashamed because i was naked So I hid myself. Here God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? By the way, God never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. The man said, well, it was the woman that you gave to me. She is the one who gave me the fruit of the tree. Fellas, ain't that the problem, right? Don't, 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 don't clap. Don't laugh. So I ate it because of, you know, that woman you gave me. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And then she was like, um, yeah, well, it was actually the serpent who deceived me. So I ate it. So the Lord God cursed the serpent and the story goes on. The rules changed that day. In fact, God goes on to curse the serpent and then he had to change the rules simply to protect Adam and Eve so that they would be able to have life. So here we have this situation when Adam and Eve sinned against God. And notice that their first response is not to repent and ask for forgiveness. Their first response is to blame, shame, and then hide themselves. But then notice what God's response was to their sin. He covered them with his grace, which is what God is still doing today. You know what Adam should have said in that moment when the Lord came to walk with him in the the garden in the cool of the evening? He should have said, hey, God, it's me, Adam. I'm over here behind this tree. I did something bad. Would you forgive me? But instead of saying I did something bad, he said from behind the tree, hey, God, it's me. I am bad. I am naked. I am ashamed. I am afraid. I am hiding. I have separated myself from you. See, shame will tell you there's something wrong with you instead of the simple fact that we did something wrong. Let me repeat that for the people in the back. Shame will tell you that there is something wrong with you instead of the simple fact that we have done something wrong. And there's a big difference. There's a lie of the devil that we buy into. Now, by the way, I'm gonna give you a cheat code for this message. I'm gonna literally give you the last line of this sermon which I'll deliver in about 20 or 25 minutes, and that is this. A sin that we recognize and we confess could easily be removed by the blood of Jesus. But if we believe this lie that we should be ashamed and that there is something wrong with us, it's the shame that separates us from the very love of God that we so desperately need. I'm going to say that again in about 25 minutes. See, shame will create an identity that we walk in that separates us from the love of God. And you know what? Religion makes this worse, and that's what happened in the church of the 90s. Religion said, and I was taught this, and I believe this, and unfortunately, I think as a youth pastor, I taught this also. And here's what it said. God can't, he's so holy that God can't even look at our sin. And it was God who separated himself from Adam and Eve for their own protection. No. What did the scriptures just say? God knew about their sin, and yet in the garden in the cool of the evening, he sought them out. The moment they sinned, God began to pursue them, and he wanted to be with them. And it was their hard hearts for not repenting that they shamed themselves and it created a separation. It created a barrier as they hid from God behind the tree, as they hid from God behind their clothes, as they hid from God behind their sin. The moment we sin, God is not rejected and running from us. The moment we sin, God is running for us to offer us redemption, to offer us his grace. He did it in the Garden of Eden. He's still doing it today. You think that God hates you and he's running from you? I'm telling you, God is pursuing you. He's running After you. All right. Let's talk about the nakedness thing. And this is always fun when there's teenagers in the room because they get awkward. Shame is what caused Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. Because they felt that shame that we shouldn't be naked here in public. But did you notice that a few verses earlier, like literally just at the end of Genesis chapter too, when God created the earth and Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden in, in verse 25 he said the man and his wife were naked and they felt no shame they were not ashamed we were created by God to never know shame he created man he created created the heavens and the earth created the animals created the garden created Adam and Eve put them in the garden they were naked but they were created to not experience shame so of course, the next chapter, the very thing that we were created not to know is what the devil created and, and experience, a, a sinful mistake that would introduce shame into the world. And therefore, we're the ones that separated ourselves from God. Yeah. Now, let me also just give you another little side note about Genesis chapter 2 and 3. In Genesis chapter 2, God gave a command to Adam and Eve, but specifically it was for Eve. And it said, be fruitful and multiply. This was the, the first... Prophetic declaration over Eve's life. Be fruitful and multiply. Make lots and lots of babies. Part of the reason that the church today still struggles with reaching the world for Christ at home and around the world is because we live under the same shame that Adam and Eve experienced, which has hindered our fruitfulness to reach people. Adam and Eve we ashamed, so they hid themselves from God. That's what shame will do. It puts up a wall that separates us from God. It separates us from other people. Shame is spelled D-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Shame is spelled distance. G- get away from me. You're a sinner. Get me away from you. I'm a sinner. Get me away from God. I have done something wrong. Instead of simply repenting and asking God to forgive us, did you notice Adam's response is the same thing that we do? He started the blame game. Hey, Adam, what's going on? Why are you, why are you hiding? What, what happened? God knew the answer, but yet he was pursuing him anyway. He said, uh, yeah, uh, it, was, it was Eve. I, I am the king of the blame game. I, I, I have read the rule book, and then I have rewritten it in my own language that, that is applicable for me. I love to blame other people, which is my problem, not theirs, because blame will add fuel to the fire of shame. Something would go wrong, I'm like looking for somebody else to blame, usually my wife. This is true, because that's how much of a jerk I used to be up until about an hour ago. <laughs> Kid breaks something, Instead of like, oh, no, I'm sure it was an accident, I'm looking to blame one of my own beautiful children. I go into a blame mode, and I'm looking around for like, who did what, and how can I shame you for what terrible thing you did? If you're a blamer, we need to stop doing that. Today. And it was, you're probably doing it because that's what was done to you. So why don't we draw a line in the sand and say listen I'm sorry that I received this from my great grandparents and my grandparents and my parents but I'm not going to be shaming anybody anymore. In fact, notice God's response to the blame game. Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent, the Lord condemns and curses the serpent and then restores the prophetic calling over Eve from chapter 2. It was actually Eve, it was actually Adam that said that this woman you gave me, her name will be Eve. He returns to her first calling. It's it's, it's, uh, chapter three, verse 20. He says, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made skins for them to restore them, to cover them, to clothe them. We'll talk about what happened in a minute, but this is the, the first time that an animal was killed so that man could be covered. God shed blood so that the sin of man would be covered. And all throughout the Old Testament, that's what's happening. Animals would have to be sacrificed in the tabernacle and then later animals sacrificed in the temple to cover the sin of man. But under the new covenant with Jesus, once and for all, Jesus' blood does not cover our sin, it removes our sin. And when we repent, shame is broken off and removed from us. And in fact, God doesn't even remember our sins. Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, he's he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. It says, I will never again remember their sins or their lawless deeds. When the sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifice. Once and for all, when you repent and you ask Jesus to forgive you, he washes away your sin and he doesn't ever remember them. So let's say you got high. Let's say you got drunk. Let's say you lied. Let's say you stole something. Let's say you looked at porn. Let's say you, looked with, you had sex with somebody you're not married to and you honest to God, repented of it and asked God to forgive you. But a couple of months later, the devil's trying to shame you. You're trying to shame yourself. You come down, you kneel at the altar and you're like, Lord, I just, I know you've forgiven me but I, I can't stop thinking about that time I did that thing. Lord, I'm so sorry. And the Lord comes and says, I have no idea what you're talking about. No, 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 Lord, don't you remember? I I did that thing and I I asked you to forgive me. I really meant it. He goes, okay, this must be a sin thing because I, I told you in Hebrews I don't remember your sin anymore. I don't remember your sin anymore. We're the ones that remember and shame ourselves which is literally the definition of shame. Shame is the persistent feeling that makes our mistakes have made us unworthy of love or belonging. I'm gonna read it again. Shame is the persistent feeling that our mistakes have made us unworthy of love and belonging. So shame is the thing that creates that barrier we talked about. Remember, I told you that shame is spelled distance, which is why parents, it's so awful to say, Billy, Susie, shame on you for that thing you did. Go to your room. We're literally teaching our children that shame separates us from the love of the Father and that we have to be separated from the Father's love. When your kid makes a mistake, it's like, Billy, Susie, you shouldn't have done that. Let me pick you up and show you a better way. Like, no, that's not the way I was raised. You were raised wrong. Your parents didn't know better. I'm teaching you a better way. Shame is what makes us feel this worthless feeling, that that shame makes us feel like we are bad people. You're not bad people, you might have done a bad thing. So let me be clear right here. Shame is not guilt or conviction. Guilt is a good thing. When the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it's a good thing because when you feel the Holy Spirit's guilt, the Holy Spirit's spotlight, hey, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have thought that, guilt will drive you to your knees. Shame is the opposite. It's destructive. Shame drives you to the streets. It drives you away. We need conviction. We need guilt because it brings us to a place of forgiveness. Shame says you don't deserve forgiveness and you're never going to get it. I'm going to repeat that again for the people in the back. Guilt says, hey, I need forgiveness. Shame says you don't deserve forgiveness and you'll never get it. See, shame always tries to isolate us from God, and shame will isolate us from other people, which is why there's people watching online right now instead of being here in this church. You're not sick. You don't have COVID. You're not in a place where you should be protecting yourself from a spike. You feel shamed, so you feel like you're doing the body of Christ a service by staying away. I'm telling you, it's time to get your butt back in this church because we do better when you're here. You do better when you're here. Time out. Pastor friend of mine in Illinois had to cancel service this morning because the entire worship team and himself had covid. And I looked and I'm like, I thought the spike from September and October was over. In Texas the spike is down, in Illinois the spike is up. So everybody has their spikes at different time. If you're traveling to Illinois this week for Thanksgiving, please be extra careful with covid because they have quite a spike in Illinois right now. Public service announcement, just trying to be a blessing. You can check those things, by the way. All you gotta do is type in COVID numbers in wherever grandma lives. COVID numbers in, and then it'll give you from the CDC. And you can watch the little thing. Right now, Tarrant County is like, we're, we're down. Now there's still COVID. People are still getting sick. But it's not the spike we had in September, October. So check wherever you're going this week and just be more careful. So anyway. Where was I? Uh, a crucial step to breaking shame. Okay, oh, this is good. This is good. Whoever wrote this is amazing. <laughs> a crucial step to breaking shame is believing that the, what the word of God says about you. Let me say that again. A crucial step to breaking off shame is that we simply believe the word of God, that we would believe the identity that God speaks over us. You're my child. You're a saint, not a sinner. You are redeemed of the Lord, so say so. Don't you remember in Genesis chapter 3, this whole attack started when the devil said, hey, Adam, Eve, did God really say? That's how he got them to this place of rebellion, was by challenging the word of God. Since the dawn of time until this morning, the devil has been attacking the word of God. And God will continue uh, continue to speak life over you, and the devil wants you to challenge that and question that. Now, I want you to zoom out on the macro scale. I know we're talking about Genesis 3, but just look at what's happening in the world today. More now than ever before, the devil is getting people to challenge, did God really say? Is the Bible really true? That whole thing with the Jews and Jesus and all that, isn't that just a book of fairy tales? Did God really say? Did God really create the heavens and the earth? I mean, didn't we just evolve from a bunch of goo? Did God really say in Genesis that there's only two genders? Did, Did God really say that there really is absolute truth? I mean, did God really say that we're not supposed to sin? I mean, did God really say we're not supposed to get drunk? The Bible never mentions getting high. Did God really say we shouldn't have sex outside of marriage? Did God really say we can't get angry and flip people off on 183? Did did God really say that our sins have been forgiven? Did God really say that I've been adopted into the family of God and that he is my father and that, that I'm a new creation and that I'm, I'm a saint and not a sinner and that I've been adopted and that, I, that, that shame has been broken off of me? Did God really say that? Because our response is usually the opposite and we think that we know more about the, what God says and feels than what the Word says. Sometimes we put shame on other people Sometimes shame gets put on us. And when somebody wants to put shame on you, you just be like, "We well, can take that shame blanket and put it somewhere else. Somebody's like, shame on you. You're like, no, shame off me. Yeah. You should feel bad. I don't feel bad. But I do feel like I'm gonna spend some time with the Lord in repentance, and then I'm gonna feel good. Yeah. And then sometimes, like I told you with me in the AirPods, <clears throat> sometimes it's, we put shame on ourselves we do something wrong whether it's sin or you lose something or break something or you something happens at work it's like ah oh, stupid and we think that if we shame ourselves we'll remember next time and not do it again like we're like if i just hate myself and i punish myself and i think bad thoughts right now god will be proud of me that's a special kind of stupid isn't it but we've all done it We've all done it. Why? Here's why. Here's how I'll wrap this up. Shame is spiritual warfare. Shame is spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. And I'm gonna give you this verse from 1 John. It's an interesting choice of a turn of phrase that John uses. In 1 John chapter four and verse 15, he says, and I want you to listen very carefully to this. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God God will abide in him and he is in God. So he's talking about believers. He's talking about Christians. Verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. His very nature, his very person, God is love. Listen to this, it's so important. Whoever abides in his love will abide in God. Oh, that's nice. But then also check this out. God will abide in you. Now, I know we don't use the word abide all that much today, but he's simply saying, by believing in Jesus as Lord, we live in his love and his love lives in us. He lives on the inside of us. Verse 17, let's talk about this love. By this is love perfected in us. Now, this is so important. This is where we're going. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment Because as he is, so also are we in this world. See, right now, we we live in this world. But one day, Jesus will return. And one day, God's wrath will be poured out on the earth. And God will separate the sheep from the goats. God will separate the wheat from the chaff. God will be checking all the virgin's lamps for who's got oil and who ran out. And much of this world will be judged by God for destruction. But it says that those that know and experience and live in the love of God will face this wrath with confidence. What? Don't you think you'd be a little freaked out? No. Why? Because you don't live under the burden of shame. Why? Verse 18. There is no fear in love. There is no shame in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Notice that John specifically uses the phrase, casts out. The only other time that's used in Scripture is referring to casting demons out of people. Breaking off shame from your life, walking in the love and the presence of God, with that perfect confidence that no matter what happens, I don't live in shame because I'm royalty, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the most high God, that's spiritual warfare. Hop up on your feet. I know I'm yelling and sweating and spitting. The Holy Spirit of God is gentle. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. So when we blow it, we do something we shouldn't do the devil that sin nature that shame nature it starts to speak to us and says shame on you for looking at porn shame on you for getting drunk for getting high for having those same-sex attractions for for sleeping with somebody you're not married to for lying at work for getting angry shame on you but the love of god says oh bro you're just too good for that you're too good to be doing that stuff You're too good to be getting drunk. You're too good to be getting high. You're too good to be looking at porn. You're too good to be getting angry. You're just too good for that. Shame says, you're the worst. We need to punish you. The father's like, no, come on. Let me just lead you away from that. Let me lead you to a place of holiness. Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be Saved, For it's with the heart that one believes and is justified. It's with the mouth that one confesses and is saved. The scriptures say everybody who believes in him will not be put to shame. Leave that verse up for a moment. If you wanted to get one of those cool Hebrew tattoos, even though this was written in Greek, you might just wanna get that right there. I hear this part's gonna be especially painful, but it'll be worth it. Because it says everybody who believes in him will not be put to shame. You know what that means? If you're a believer in Jesus, you are unpunishable. You simply can't be shamed unless you put it on yourself or allow somebody else to put it on you. But in Christ, there's no shame. Do you know what my biggest regret in my life is? Shaming my wife, shaming my kids. See, I told you God is still stretching me. Like, you're the preacher. Yeah, I know, I figured I'd be such a good pastor, he'd stop, he'd leave me alone for a while. No. I got married young. I wish I could go back to my 20s. If you're young and married, or old and married and still living in shame, I wish I could go back and I wish I could break off shame from my life sooner. I can't believe I used to yell at this beautiful woman, at my three beautiful kids. I'd shame them for mistakes that they made. Stupid stuff, stupid stuff. But I'd get all hot and bothered as if it was something important, like not going on the green line. Parents, don't shame your kids. Spouses, don't shame your spouse. Let's put an end to shame, an end to blame, an end to name calling, and an end to yelling. Let me just tell you this right now. You should never yell at anyone, especially a member of your family, unless they are currently on fire. Other than that, you never have a reason to yell at your spouse or your kids, ever, ever. So let's, let's put an end to that right here, right now. Parents, no more shame on you. Go to your room. We're gonna stop doing that right here, right now. Remember, shame is spelled distance so instead it's like hey you did that terrible thing that disobeyed me come here let me give you a big hug and show you that you're better than that well I don't want them to think that I'm endorsing their sinful behavior how are you going to show them a better way if they're in the other room wouldn't it be better to show them a better way from the love of your arms spouses no more sleeping in separate rooms All you're trying to do is shame each other. All shame does is bring isolation. It brings division. Parents, you don't want your kids to walk in the same shame you've struggled with your whole life. Did you notice that Adam and Eve didn't repent of their sin? Blamed other people, lived in shame. They had two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain got mad and killed his brother Abel. And just like his daddy, Cain did not repent of his sin and he tried to blame somebody else. Parents, your struggle for your whole life with shame is gonna be given to your kids and then to your grandkids one day unless you own up to it right here, right now. You love God enough, you love your spouse enough, you love your kids enough that I don't want them to experience shame. I don't want my future grandkids to experience shame. So today I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna man up, I'm gonna woman up and I'm gonna repent before God. And then if you have shamed your spouse, you're going to repent to your spouse. And if you were at the marriage retreat, you can't just say, hey, my bad. It's going to take at least four steps. And if you don't know what four steps I'm talking about, you shouldn't skip our marriage retreats. They're good. You're going to repent to God. You're going to repent to your spouse. And then here's what's really tough for super proud Texas dads. You're going to repent to your kids. You say, "I, I didn't know better. I was a jerk and I'm sorry. You know what repentance does? Breaks off shame. Can I give you some hope? You know, you've been yelling at me for 36 minutes. Here's the hope. You can live your life without shame. You can live your life without shame. You don't receive shame. People are like, hey, you know, you walk into your quarterly reports and you're like, hey, I'm looking here at this chart. Shame on you for this bad job. And you're like, nope, shame off me, but I'll do better. You can live your life with hope and joy and peace. You made this mistake. Yeah, I know. I own that mistake. That's my fault. I'm going to do better. Or when somebody else doesn't go on the green light because they have to check out what grandma posted about the president or the former president, we're like, how dare you not go when it said green? Shame on you. We don't have to do that anymore. It's so much fun. There's so much hope and joy in your life when you live unpunishable. Let me just say this. Just because you're unpunishable does not mean you're uncorrectable. A loving father will discipline his children. but There's a difference between shame and loving discipline. We need to be humble before God that we are like, Lord, I want to do better. I don't want to live in shame and I don't want to shame others. I want to live in hope. So, Lord, I lay my heart open before you. Shine your love and your light. and Examine me if there's any wicked way in me. I want to repent. I want to be humble. I want to be teachable. I want to be moldable in your hand. We want to be disciplined by God. We want to be pruned by God. Because when there's pruning, although it hurts in the moment when he cuts off that thing in our life that we love, it means that there's going to be great kingdom growth that replaces that. We're looking for fruit that remains. Remember, I told you I was going to give you the last sentence of the message 25 minutes ago. Here it is. A sin that we recognize and confess can easily be removed by the blood of Jesus. But if we believe the lie that we should be shamed, that there is something wrong with us, it's that shame that separates us from the very love that we need so desperately. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for our church, for all those that are watching online, that they would still love me even though I yelled at them, that they would come back to our church and recognize that shaming themselves and separating themselves from the family doesn't make them any better or us any better. Lord, we've got people in our church that have struggled their whole life with shame because they were shamed by their parents and their grandparents and their coaches and their teachers. God, I ask that today would be the day that you do this supernatural amazing work of grace and you break off shame that we we want to be disciplined but we're so sick of being shamed and we're so sick of shaming others so Lord if it's sin that we've committed today's the day we're really gonna repent and ask that you'd forgive us if it's habitual lifestyle of shaming others then today's the day that we're gonna humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness and do our very best to stop shaming people until we all together remove shame from our lives. Here's a big one. If we've been hurt, we've been abused, we've been lied about, stolen from, abused physically, sexually, emotionally, and we feel this weight of shame for what happened to us, We're gonna forgive those that hurt us, and we will no longer walk in shame because of what happened to us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you know you're not right with God, you have allowed sin into your life recently or 20 years ago that has just been festering and you've never repented to God, today is your day to repent. We read that scripture that said, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you confess with your mouth that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. I'd like to lead you in that prayer, but I can't believe in your heart for you and I can't confess with your mouth for you. All I can do is lead you. So if you do believe that Jesus is Lord, I'd like you to pray that prayer. Now, for some of you, it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. Maybe you've been to church a few times, you watched online, but you've never really believed in your heart and asked God to forgive you. Today is your day. What I see a lot of times is people that, maybe they got right with God in kids' church or youth camp or in their college Bible study and they've walked away from their faith, they've walked away from God, they've, they've allowed sin back into their heart, they've, they've shamed themselves and they feel a million miles away. Remember what I said, repentance removes that barrier, that separation of shame and puts us right back into the Father's arms of love. So whether it's your first time or your first time in a long time, I'd like to lead you in that prayer. I don't know who I'm praying for, but I'd I'd like to know. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today and you need to get right with God, whether you're watching at home alone by yourself in a living room, or you're here in this room, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today is my day to get right with God. I see your hand right there, and I see your hand right there, and I see your hand over there. Is anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand right over there. Anybody else? I see your hand right there. Good. Come on, somebody. Good. Praise God. Praise God. People are clapping because I saw four or five people raise their hand and say, today's my day to get right with God. What about you? I can't see you. You might even be watching this a month from now, but right there in your apartment, right there in your living room, in your bed, in your car, just raise your hand between you and God and say, God, I need to get right with you. I need to get this shame burden removed off of my back. I'm gonna repent of my sin. Why don't we all pray this together? You that are watching at home and all of us in this room, if you believe it in your heart, pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead, and that you're living right now in heaven, that you come and live in my heart. God, I'm asking That you'd break shame off of my life. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'd help me to never shame anyone else. In the name of Jesus. If you agree, say amen. And shout for God. Shout for joy. Shout for the Lord. Our God is good. Our God is good. Our God is good. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.